0: This morning, we read the parable of the dishonest manager. For some reason, every time it comes up in the lectionary, I choose to preach it. And that, has to, that must be because when you decide what you're going to preach, and when you have to write your sermon, are really far apart. And you get to the week when you have to look at this passage, and you realize this is a complex, possibly confusing Parable. There's a rich man and he has a manager. And the manager saves himself by lowering the debts of all the people who owed the rich man money. That's what happens in this passage. The rich man hears that this shrewd manager has been squandering the property he was supposed to be managing. So the manager, realizing what was about to happen, goes to everyone who owed The rich landowner money lowers what they owe, and everybody ends up happy. And it just kind of feels odd, in a way. And then, following the praise, in in verse 8, there's some one odd saying, and then a bunch of familiar sayings that you should recognize. And so, pay attention to all of this. As we read scripture today, just kind of listen. Listen carefully and figure out what's confusing to you. And figure out what we might learn through this odd parable of the dishonest manager from the gospel of Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that the manager was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager says to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as the manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? And the answer was, a hundred jugs of oil. He says, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, How much do you owe? And he replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to them, Take your bill, make it eighty. And the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by dishonest wealth so that when it is gone... They may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful in much. And whoever is dishonest in little is dishonest in much. And if you have not been faithful with dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's start here. In recent years, many of the most popular television shows have been driven by what by characters that are labeled anti-heroes. According to the internet, an anti-hero or anti-heroine is a main character in a story who lacks conventional heroic qualities and attributes such as idealism, courage, and morality. Some contemporary examples of anti-heroes are Don Draper, Django, Michael Scott, Walter White, But it's not just these recent characters. Dirty Harry, Rooster Cogburn, Michael Corleone, Scarlett O'Hara. They're classic antiheroes. Unless we think these are 20th century inventions, antiheroes appear in Homer, in Greek dramas, and even in Renaissance literature like Don Quixote. Which got me thinking, maybe we have an anti-hero in scripture today. This shrewd manager, I think, is an anti-hero. For some reason, we're supposed to root for him. Even though he makes friends for himself in strange ways. He kind of reminds me of Andy Dufresne from the Shawshank Redemption who manages to frame the evil warden, retire to a beach in Mexico. Yet, when we're honest, we realize Andy did not, he didn't acquire his wealth, honestly, at all. He totally skimmed off the top. He cooked the books. So, what's the Bible inviting us to do? To cheer for someone who cooks the books? It's fun to cheer for anti-heroes in movies and books and television shows. It's like an escape. It's a thought experiment. But when we turn to Scripture, we're accustomed to some of those other things that Scripture said that we're supposed to think about. Whoever is faithful in little is also faithful in much. Whoever is disobedient with little will be disobedient with much. If you've not been faithful, you can't enter true riches. Who's going to give you your own if you're not faithful with theirs? You can't serve both God and wealth. When you think about what the Bible is supposed to say, those are the things that it's supposed to say, right? Yet then there's this line about making friends for yourself through dishonest wealth, so that when you fall, they'll be there to catch you. Which means, if you're going to preach the Scripture, you just if you're going to listen to the Scripture, if you're going to learn from the Scripture, you have to push through and figure out. What do we learn from this passage that's not straightforward or convenient? How do we probe more deeply? And at different times, I've preached this sermon and thought about the forgiveness of the debts. I've thought about how the shrewd landowner maybe just redeems, uh, the shrewd manager redeems the landowner by getting what he can for the landowner. He pulls off a heist of sorts and everybody ends up happy. It always kind of reminded me of Ocean's 13, where where the George Clooney character, uh, instead of giving the money back to the Andy Garcia character, gives it to a children's camp. $72 million to a camp to belong. And initially, Garcia is mad until he shows up on the Oprah show being praised for his generosity to the kids at the camp. And so, are we supposed to cheer for a thief? Are we supposed to cheer for a thief in the Bible? I don't think Jesus is afraid of anti-heroes, which is why he tells this story. Jesus is not afraid of anti-heroes. He goes to Zacchaeus' house. He dines with sinners and tax collectors. That's what the Pharisees have been accusing him of for several chapters now. Jesus is telling us that it's okay to, to root for this guy, but, but why? Why is he our example? And it got me thinking. You remember the tax collectors of Jesus' day? We all remember how they made their money. The tax bill would be $10. They would tell it, your bill's 15 And they'd skim five off the top. They would do this through town until they were very wealthy and very hated for the, their dishonest treatment of everyone else's money. And I wondered if that's the missing piece from this passage. I, I wondered if, if maybe, this shrewd manager had not been lazy in not collecting the debts; instead, he had been greedy. He had been greedy in not collecting the debts because, well, there wasn't a hundred jugs of oil yet. There wasn't fifty baskets of wheat, or a hundred baskets of wheat. Maybe this shrewd manager was a loan shark who had so inflated the borrowing rates on the landover owners' debtors that they couldn't pay him back. And up to this point, it was fine until the landowner comes around and says, what are you doing with my stuff? You're not managing things very carefully, are you? He was leaving someone else's debts unpaid in order to make for himself a living through dishonest wealth until he was confronted with it. He was confronted with his dishonesty and his way of life was threatened. He had a choice. I can't dig. I'm not going to beg. I'm not cut out for real work. So what do I do? I can't earn my way back into anything. So what am I going to do? I guess in a way he comes to Jesus. He realizes that if he forgives the debts, or at least the part of the debt he was planning to skim off the top, everyone can be happy. The, the landowner will get his money back. Those in debt get a reprieve from what they thought they owed. And the shrewd manager, standing in the middle, lives for another day. Instead of skimming off the top, he just realizes, I'm going to have to take less wealth. Instead of saying, I need to make 50 barrels of oil on this 50 that were borrowed, he says, let me just get the debt paid. Instead of making 20 containers of wheat to resell somewhere else, he takes the loss to live to fight another day. And in doing this, the message is about forgiveness. By by cutting out his own dishonesty and, and just forgiving what he thought He was owed himself. He relieves the debtors and provides a paycheck for the landowner. He provides for those above him and those below him and saves himself in the middle. And I think that's how this odd parable becomes a parable about forgiveness because it shows us the result of a life of forgiveness. Without forgiving the debts he was owed, or even the ones he thought he was owed, he basically dies. He's out in the cold. There is no one there to help him, to save him. But by forgiving, forgiving the debts, realizing he didn't need that wealth, redemption and joy and possibility are the results. His salvation is a function of forgiving someone else's debts. And his willingness to cease working his way up the social ladder allows him to save his own life. Reminding us that even in the oddest of parables, redemption comes when we forgive. The one in the story who we least expected to be the hero is the one who is the hero because he starts forgiving first. And what's that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Those of you who examine yourself and think, I don't collect taxes. I'm not skimming off the top. I'm not managing anyone else's money or wealth. I don't have access to anyone else's debts. I'm not paying a manager. I am not a manager being paid. What am I supposed to do? Forgive. Where are you holding out forgiveness? Forgive because what's, what, that's what we're urged, implored to do. The key of this passage and the key to the redemption of everyone in the story is when the shrewd manager realizes the call is not to chase after a little bit more, the call is to forgive because you can't serve God and money. You can't have a boss and remain in your boss's good graces if you are extorting money from those who borrow from him. You can't possibly stand between two people with any peace or hope or possibility if all you're worried about is getting something for yourself out of every transaction. To let the debtor's default was to not be faithful. To keep the prices so high that no one could pay it was to, well, to be delinquent with responsibilities. And it was to not be faithful with your boss's possessions. And in the end, not even prudent with your own. The road to what is right begins when the shrewd manager decides to forgive. And when he forgives, the landowner sees what needs to happen. And the people who are tied to the landowner are redeemed and they find that their debts are forgiven and they experience joy as well. And it all starts with the one that we least expect to be offering forgiveness. Which leaves us with that last verse that's kind of nagging there. Make friends for yourself by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes I guess in a way the shrewd manager made made a life for himself by acquiring dishonest wealth it seemed appealing to do this to, to live it up, to live it up and to to do everything he could to provide for himself but then maybe hopefully at the very last second he could say oops lord i'm sorry please forgive me and you know Flyed on into heaven as if he were slipping underneath a garage door that was closing. He tried to keep his dishonest will. But if he had done that, he would have ended desperate and alone. But by letting it go, he was saved. Saved by those who were in debt. Saved by a boss. He was saved through forgiveness. The title of the sermon is, How to Forgive... I think the shrewd manager shows us that the way to forgive is to forgive generously. Forgive debts as if you are the shrewd manager. Give grace to others realizing that anything untoward or dishonest or any way in which you are too stubborn when it comes to withholding forgiveness is something that will entrap you, just like the dishonest wealth was ready to entrap this manager. We've all made mistakes. We've all been trapped and crushed by the weight of dishonest things at times in our lives. And so we must remember to let them go. Because when we let them go, we make space for grace. And when we make space for grace and for God's love, we make space for God to do amazing things in our lives. We make space to find that eternal home we're looking for. So, how do we forgive? We have to let go. We have to realize that anything we hold too tightly has the potential to become dishonest wealth. And what we need is something far greater than dishonest wealth. We need more than the wealth that we can grab here on earth. So forgive. Let it go. And in your act of forgiving, you will bring joy to those who are forgiven. And you save your own soul at the same time. Let's pray together. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day that we have. We give you thanks for the ways that you speak through the familiar stories of life and also through the strange stories of life. And Lord, we pray that when the story is strange, when the parable is not our favorite, when the message is not the most familiar, that you would still be there. Be be there even still, illuminating for us your way. And especially today, helping us to see that your way is the way of forgiveness. Lord, forgiving is hard. Forgiving sometimes means sacrifice. But Lord, we are reminded that you have forgiven us. You have sacrificed for us. And so may we, we, as your children, be shaped in your image and follow in your footsteps to forgive others as you have forgiven us. And in doing so, find the way to life. This is our prayer today. And it's a prayer that we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.